Welcome back to Pick and Pod WFUV's NBA podcast. I'm Kelly Bright alongside Thomas Aiello. Thomas, you have a pretty big role to fill today. You are taking over as my co-host for the show, replacing Andrew Posadas. I mean, no one can actually replace him, but you've been along for so many, so many episodes with us this year. So I can't think of a better person to step up in this position, to step up in the playoffs than you. So Thomas, welcome back to hosting the show with me. Oh, uh, Kelly, it's, it's, I'm humbled by the introduction and I'm excited to get started. But um, <laughs> Andrew, if you're out there, if you ever find this, I'll probably send it to you. Uh, I got a, I got a tall task ahead of me, so I don't know if I'll ever fill in Andrew's shoes, but I'm up for the task. So, but I, Hey, you know what? It's playoff time. This is where we get down to the real excitement of the NBA. And before the show, I just want to mention as well as producer bridge, Kelly and I, we were trying to mathematically figure out how the, the play in tournament works. And we don't seem to with seating and like we have pictures of the bracket up so it makes more sense but for the first year utterly confusing but i think we're going to be able to get the hang of it once uh we move along here i think we'll be able to i think we'll be able to figure it out especially we once we're in action and to me i think i i love the playing tournament i know there's very mixed reviews especially from the players themselves but i think for us as media and as fans it's really exciting to get to watch the you know teams that may not have had any hope a month ago or even last season if they were in the same position have to fight for something and I think that's a perfect way to get into the show because this playing tournament starts tonight and if you're listening to this episode tomorrow we'll have recorded before any of the games have played but I still want to get down and talk about them eight teams fighting for four spots and two conferences and this playing round has the defending champions in it three former league MVPs and nine recent all-stars and I would be remiss not to start with the, to me, what is the most exciting game in basketball this year so far, and that's the seven-seed Los Angeles Lakers versus the eight-seed Golden State Warriors. That's tonight at 10 p.m. And this game features two of the best players in the past 20 years, arguably in league history, in Steph Curry and LeBron James, playing for a spot in the playoffs. Not, not in the playoffs, but playing for a spot to get into the playoffs. So both teams are going to have a lot to fight for, a lot, you know, riding on this game. Thomas, who do you got? Who do you got in this matchup? Well, before I uh, begin with who I'm going to pick, I just wanted to say I did not expect the Lakers to be in this position at all this year. It, it's been definitely a season of surprise between teams like my Knicks and your Celtics, underachieving, overachieving, respectively. Teams like the Hornets that are just in the playoff picture for some reason. And then, of course, out West, it's like Memphis, San Antonio, Utah's like the number one seed. And then the Lakers and the, the Golden State Warriors are kind of battling out at the bottom. So I didn't expect any of that to happen. But this is one of the most intriguing matchups in the playoff play-in tournament, at least, because you have Steph Curry and... I guess you can say the ragtag warriors at this point, they're not even what they used to be five, six years ago when it was him, clay Draymond. And if you want to go Kevin Durant, Harrison Barnes teams, like it's not even remotely close to that. It's Steph Curry, Andrew Wiggins, Kelly Oubre, 
James Wiseman, well, he's out, but he's going to be there in a nice little suit cheering on his teammates with the pom-poms and other assorted cheerleading items. And then Draymond Green, who's obviously not the same player anymore, but this is a very intriguing matchup. Then you have LeBron and Anthony Davis with the essentially revamped and renovated Lakers team that has had its fair share of issues this year. So this is going to be a real battle of the Titans. This is a spot that I did not expect teams headed by LeBron and Steph to be at. But looking at this matchup, the Lakers barely escaped the Knicks uh, a couple weeks ago, a couple days ago, in fact, at the Staples Center. So they had a hard time with them. I don't know how they're going to handle Steph Curry because the Knicks don't have guard play as it is. They only have Julius Randle, really, who existed that evening, as well as Derrick Rose, who was playing well. He had 25 points that night, but they have to deal with Steph, who is a whole whole nother level of player. So the Lakers need to uh, come up with a strategy to really lock down Steph, because essentially, if you lock Steph down on this Golden State team, it's not like Clay's there because he's hurt. Draymond's, again, not the same player. There's no Harrison Barnes. You shut Steph down, you shut down the team. So the Lakers need to devise a strategy that uh, has Steph Curry eliminated from the picture in the game, essentially, making it a four on five. And you know what? Considering LeBron's back and he dropped, what, 20-plus points in his debut coming back from the injury, I have to, I might have to go with the Lakers. I, I know that Andrew and you have said on the show that Steph might be the MVP and his 60-point games and the three-point streak, but dealing with LeBron and Anthony Davis is... That's quite a handful. So I, I, I do have to give it to the Lakers in, in this play-in section. Listen, I agree with you. And I know we do. We, we have to give Steph Curry all the love because he deserves it. I mean, what he's done this year is just ridiculous. But I think it's just so exciting to have this matchup. LeBron James and Steph Curry have played 22 playoff games against each other, each of those in an NBA Finals. And the last time they, they were in a winner-take-all scenario was Game 7, of the 2016 NBA Finals. And of course, LeBron James led his Cavaliers over Curry's Golden State Warriors, who were at that point a much more talented team than they are now. So I I, I think, you know, Le- LeBron and AD and, and this Lakers team is in the position they're in because they've dealt with a lot of adversity this season, whether it was injuries, COVID protocol, whatever it was, they haven't had the team that they were expected to have throughout this year. And I think if you look at a team that has LeBron going into a playoff presence, a playoff picture, it, it's just such an advantage. And, and you look you mentioned, you know, what are, what are the keys to each of these teams? And that's stopping the best player. The Warriors don't really have anyone who's going to stop LeBron like that. I mean, green's going to have to guard AD. And after that, it, it drops off a little bit. The Lakers, on the other hand, they might have the NBA's most successful Curry defender. And you might not expect this, but across 16 games starting in 2013, which is pretty much all of Steph Curry's prime, he has only shot 41% from the field and 32% on three-pointers, averaging only 20 points per game against Contavious Caldwell-Pope. So if KCP can play some lockdown defense on Steph Curry, again, like you mentioned, there's really not that many players after him that are going to be good enough to, you know, take over this Lakers roster, which we all predicted was going to repeat as champions. We, no one could have, I guarantee no one saw this coming. I mean, I know I said one or two in the Western conference, easy, no doubter. 
and here we are. So, I mean, yes, the Warriors starting five is, is strong, but also they, they don't have much of a bench. They have a lot more questions than answers. So I, I definitely think you have to give the Lakers this one. I want to point this out because I've noticed this the past couple of years. And I'll use baseball as an example because when teams climb to the peak of baseball and they win the World Series every year, they just immediately go under, you know, it's the, the championship hangover. And you see that often in, in baseball when pl- certain players leave and then in football, the same thing happens because there's so many moving parts and transactions aren't as common in those sports as they would be in the NBA. In the NBA, teams remain at the top for a, a good amount of time at nowadays because you can just buy essentially on the free agent market and in the draft players who do uh, things that are at that level of a role player. So let's say, for example, the Lakers moved on from Rondo and they have now they have Dennis Schroeder. They made a they made a trade with the Thunder. They got Dennis Schroeder in return. So they essentially re-upped Rondo for Dennis Schroeder and offensively Schroeder is a significant improvement. So that allows teams in the NBA, I guess, to maintain their status of, of the champion. And they can go on these four or five-year runs where they go to the East or West finals. They go to the NBA finals. They win two or three championships in the process. And it's harder in those other sports, like I said, because there's so many moving parts and there are certain players that are just almost irreplaceable. But in basketball, I can replace Rudy Gobert with Nerlens Noel for $5. And they do essentially the same thing. Now that's not to say that Gobert is a, is a scrub by any means. He's an excellent defensive player, but if you look at what Noel has done for the Knicks this year, you can kind of go, yeah, well, I mean, I guess it makes sense. If you have Noel and Mitchell Robinson on the center platoon, it makes sense. So you can kind of do it, but teams in the NBA, they can do these kinds of things to stay at the top. And we also look at who he's playing, who they're playing with. LeBron James is known as a playmaker and he makes a lot of his teammates better and Contavious Caldwell poop, who gets a lot of, a lot of, a lot of smoke, especially from people like me who just despise him in, as an inferior player to other three and D wings in the league that are role players. He's actually pretty, pretty solid for this Lakers team. He shoots above league average at I think 37% clip from three. He plays a lot better defense than he has in the past. And you're right, Kelly with, they're going to have him as the number one, assign assignee to Steph Curry, I guess, to stop him. But it's also going to take a team because we know Steph Curry dribbles in every direction, but straight. He goes in zigzags and loops and he does backflips and all these other crazy things on the floor. So they really have to buckle down and grit their teeth to stop Steph, not only from driving in the lane, but shooting threes from essentially half court at this point, because once he hits two or three, sees two or three shots go through the basket, it might be over. So for the Lakers, I guess you glue Caldwell Pope to Steph, but you also need to provide help defense and hope to contain them. That's the best you can hope for when you play against someone like Steph. You can only hope to contain him. You, you can only quote. hope to contain him. Spike you can Lee, only hope to contain Shuttlesworth him. say it, and he got game. He <laughs> said it. He said it. He was right. That certainly applies to Curry. Well, let's move on to the other Western Conference playing game. Playing game number nine, Memphis Grizzlies taking on Greg Popovich's the ten seed San Antonio Spurs. Now, the Spurs gave up 119, 129, 
and 133 points to the Grizzlies in their three matchups this season. And if Memphis comes anywhere close to that, I just don't think the Spurs are going to have the firepower to keep up against the league's seventh-ranked defense. So uh, this one is a pretty easy choice for me. I, I don't see how the Grizzlies are going to lose this one. It's tough because you think any team that's led by Greg Popovich has a chance in the playoffs. He's made them 22 times. But this team, they've this they've started 13 different players and had to use 14 different starting lineups this season. They've lost 10 of their last 12 after losing Derek White to his season-ending ankle injury. They're going down at the wrong time, and I think the Grizzlies are peaking at the right time. They're getting healthier. They have Jaron Jackson Jr. back after missing most of the season. They have John Morant and um, Giannis. I don't want to mess his name up. Jonas Valanciunas, he's their center. He's been playing out of his mind. And the Grizzlies, they've been playing well against good teams, and I think this is an easy win for them, and I, I don't see how the Spurs are able – to continue on in this playing tournament. I, I'm going to bring up Jaron Jackson because I, I know you also brought him up, but he's been on ice pretty much the whole year. He had, I think, a lower body injury. It was something in his leg. But he's back now, and we know that when he's healthy, he's one of the better power forwards in the NBA, the two-way power forwards. He can play uh, the four or the five. He can defend pretty much every position on the perimeter at this point, he shoots threes. He's a pretty solid offensive player in the post. He understands defensive strategy and stuff like that. So I think him back for Grizzlies for the Grizzlies is incredibly important to their success, because like you said, this is a top 10 defense. They're seventh in the league and having him back is only going to elevate that, but do not underestimate the power of uh, Dumbledore also known as Greg Popovich with that hair he's got going and that beard. He will come up with some magic strategy blessed with deer antlers and magic potion and tree leaves that are some wizardry that he always does down there in Texas. And he's going to find a way to push this Memphis team. Now, in terms of physical uh, talent, San Antonio does not match up with them at all because they've got little little people compared to what Memphis has. They have, like you said, Jonas Valanciunas is a gigantic human. Jaron Jackson, Brandon Clark is pretty tall. John Morant's probably the only skinny person that they really have, but then Dylan Brooks is a physical defensive wing. They have DeAnthony Melton, who is a super humanoid for a shooting guard in terms of his physical strength. So they've got some serious bodies and they can do real damage to the Spurs, but the strategy part of the game and, Team basketball is what Popovich has essentially built the San Antonio dynasty on that and load management. So I think if San Antonio is going to do anything to this Memphis team, they're going to pull them out to the perimeter because we know that they're not going to drive inside to those trees because it's a, it's a death, death sentence essentially. So you want to pull them out to the perimeter and see what you can make happen out there. Now I'm going to kind of guess in this play in series, it'll be a little more isolation heavy. For the Grizzlies side of things and for San Antonio, there's going to be ball movement and key passes and other weird things that they do. So, but I have to go with the Memphis here. I'm going to, the, the, I just don't see them losing this. They've, they've had an up and down with the injuries for this season and players missing time and all this other stuff, but they're putting it together at the right time. And you know what? I think this is a team that can be a thorn in the Western conference for a hot minute here as a low seed. 
I think they can make a run. Why not? And why not? Yeah, why not? We're two for two. Let's see if we can go three for three right now. I'm going <laughs> to take it over to the Eastern Conference. Another game that I think is is very interesting. Maybe that's because I'm biased as a Celtics fan, but the number seven Boston Celtics taking on the number eight Washington Wizards. Talk about two teams going in different directions right now. The Wizards are one of the hottest teams in basketball, arguably second only to your Knicks, Thomas. And the Celtics, oh my God. Like there, there's not much else I can say. I mean, losing Jalen Brown was just truly the last nail in the coffin. So for me, I, I don't think that Jason Tatum is a beast. He's, he's so good. He dropped 60 the other night, but I don't think it's going to be enough to take on a team that's super hot right now. You have two superstars on one side with Bradley Beal and Westbrook who have played just outstanding basketball the past month and a half. Westbrook obviously taking over that Mr. Triple Double crown. And I, I think they're going to have enough to take out a Celtics team that just really isn't in it. At the end of the day, emotionally, mentally, they just don't seem to be in it and they don't have much to play for. Whereas this, this is a Wizards team with a coach who's on the hot seat with Bradley Beal and Westbrook who have a lot of crit- cr- critics and doubters to prove wrong and they have a lot to play for. I mean, I mean, at this point, what have they got to lose versus the Celtics who really at the, I mean, they don't, they don't have Jalen Brown. They've been injured all year. I, we're going to get into, I think we're later, we're going to talk a little about some of the struggles they had all year, but to me, the playoffs are a lot about who's hot at the right time. And I think in this situation, it's obviously the Washington wizards. Well, I, I want to agree with you in terms of Washington, but I just don't trust Westbrook in the playoffs. Now I know that in the past, he's had some wild performances in 2017 versus Houston when essentially his MVP year, when it was just a carry job as well as uh, 2018, 2019, where he kind of, just didn't play well at all in 2019, especially Damian Lillard owned him and then sent Paul George home with one of the most miraculous game winning shots ever you will see in the playoff series. So I don't trust Westbrook. Now it is, that was the West. It is definitely a different, different breed out there, but this is the East and the East, as we know, Kelly is extremely top heavy with the teams that are actually good. And then everyone else is just, like, wow, well, I'm happy to be here. You know, hey, I'll get my participation trophy. I'm good. But with with Westbrook and the Wizards and Bradley Beal, who has been a scoring humanoid this year, 31 points a game, made the all-star team. Bradley Beal in the playoffs is quite lethal, actually. His re- most recent appearance was in 2017-18, averaged 23 points, shot 47% from range, 45% from the field. So this guy in the playoffs is, is pretty good. And you know what? Maybe having Westbrook next to Beal, playing alongside of them and the momentum that they've got, as well as Juan Soto posting a picture, let's take it home, Wizards, on Instagram. I think the Wizards are going to be in for a real back and forth here with Boston. But man, your Celtics have just been destroyed by injuries all year. The Jalen Brown one hurts, especially uh, it hurts for me because I was, I was a big fan of his when he got drafted and I was telling my friends, like, uh, I'm like, this kid's going to be really good. And they go, no, no, no. He plays like two minutes. He's not that good. Well, he made the all-star team this year. So uh, go figure with that. And, but I also really like him as a player. He's exciting. He's fun to watch. He does everything right. He's a super 
incredible athlete for a guy his size. He can jump to the mezzanine. He can fly. He can shoot. He can run. He can, he does it all. And you guys are going to sorely miss that. So I feel that the wizards are going to take this, but the leprechaun is just, it's just going to be there. And who knows, maybe if it comes down to a last second shot, let's say Tatum has to take the last second shot and he gets a friendly bounce off the rim. I mean, that, that could be pretty exciting. I think, you know, I, it can make for a good game, but it's just, it's so tough when this team is decimated by injuries, not to mention their lack of actual big men. You know, they traded Daniel Tice. That wasn't exactly smart. Tristan Thompson hasn't been particularly good this year. I'd say for Boston, he hasn't been horrible and you're playing taco fall. Now I love taco. I think he's, he's a character. He's unique. Don't hate on taco fall. I love, no, I love taco. You can hate on the rest of the Celtics, but don't hate on taco. I love, no, I love taco. I I really do. I, I think he's a unique, unique character in the NBA. And I actually think he's pretty good, but the question with him is, is he going to last more than 15 minutes in the playoff game with how intense it is? That's my, that's, that's my fear. And I'll say it one more time. I really like taco fall, but if you're going to play him in a playoff game versus the Washington wizards and man on man on fire, Russell Westbrook and just Bradley Beal who drains threes in people's faces for fun. I don't know. It's going to be tough. This is definitely going to be a tough game, but I, I want to pick, I'm going to pick Washington here. I, I, I'm giving them this very slight edge, the very slight edge. Three for three, Thomas. One more to go. <laughs> Let's bat One more to go. Let's go. So last one in the Eastern Conference, number nine, Indiana Pacers taking on the number 10, Charlotte Hornets. And this is also interesting. I think all of these matchups are interesting, but this one, here's a game where you have the Hornets who are coming back to a, a lot healthier than they've been all season they have LaMelo Ball back, and you have an Indiana's Pacers team that has been riddled with injuries all year. They still are. TJ Warren, Karis LeVert, most recently Miles Turner, which for me is a large reason why I might have them losing this game. I mean, five of Indiana's six best players are either out or, list or questionable due to injury. I think I just saw that Karis LeVert is going to be out for COVID protocol. So they are missing their players, and Charlotte is getting back one of the most electric players in the season. I was about to say rookies, but I'm going to say players in general in LaMelo ball. And I think a big player for them is going to be Terry Rose, Terry Rozier, who I think he's going to come out, drop 25 to 30 points this game. He, he has the most playoff experience on that Charlotte roster, which is a very young team, especially not most likely not having Hayward, which will hurt them. And I think this game is good. I don't think it's, it's an interesting game. It's going to be close, but neither one of these teams I think is going to make it past the playing tournament, but I think this game will be interesting. And I, and I do think I'm going to give it to the Hornets. They're getting their health back. Like I said, and I think their starting five is just to me stronger than the Indiana Pacers starting five. I, I find it funny that Charlotte just stole half of your bench as a Boston fan. They just stole Hayward and they stole the scary Terry. I thought that's, I think it's ironic, but I'm, I'm going to go three for four here. I, I can't take good Hornets. radio, good radio. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't trust them in the playoffs. I don't trust LaMelo ball to be this Michael Jordan coupon playoff player. However, that may turn out to be, I don't know. And Michael can't suit up himself. He's too old. So there's, <laughs> 
I don't see the Hornets winning this. I have to go with the Pacers because of one man. His name starts with a D and it ends in bonus. Domantis Sabonis. The discount version of Ennis Cantor. You know what? Actually, no. He's a better version of Ennis Cantor, a much better version. He shoots the three now and he plays good defense. Domantis Sabonis started off this year when he played the Knicks, annihilating them in the paint. And then he continued to do so. He had a triple-double, I think, versus them. He had a 24-15-10 and 10 game, I think, at one year, at one point in the year versus Oklahoma City. So DeMontis Sabonis is a monster in and of itself. I feel that he's going to be the deciding factor because Charlotte's big men are just they're just not good. I mean, between Zeller and uh, what's-his-face, Bismack Bayimbo, who's the VP of the uh, Players Association, and Miles Bridges, he's too small to guard Sabonis. So I feel that the Pacers might take this simply just because of him. And they also have Malcolm Brogdon, who's no stranger to the playoffs. So I feel like the two of them combining is definitely going to be um, definitely going to be dangerous. I don't know if Charlotte's going to be able to defend it. I don't know if they're ready to defend it. So I'm going to go with the Pacers in, in this game. I respect that pick. I respect that pick, especially... You know, we had, we couldn't agree on everything. That'd be too easy, but <laughs> really quick. I, I do. We, I love talking about this play in tournament, but we are talking about the bottom half of a playoff series with some very talented teams. So let's look at the actual NBA, NBA playoffs that have already been set first in the Eastern conference. You mentioned it before, very top heavy. You have 76ers at one Brooklyn Nets at two Bucks at three Knicks, your Knicks at four, taking on number five, Atlanta Hawks, Miami, Somehow turning it around, coming back to make the playoffs at number six, they'll take on the Bucks there. So really quickly, I know there's a lot to go over there and we don't have that much time, but for me, I think the 76ers are going to take, take that one seed and run with it. For me, this is the first time in a while that the Sixers going are going to a playoffs with an easy road to the finals. You know, they aren't going to have to deal with, you know, they're, they're going to, they're not going to have to deal with the toughest teams. You know, the Nets and the Bucks are going to have to play each other and take, and one of those teams is going to be eliminated. And then the 76ers aren't going to have to deal with that. So this is a team that has come together so well, you know, they have a new look, they're a new look. Daryl Morey came in, Doc Rivers comes in, you bring two new starters in with Danny Green and Seth Curry. Joel Embiid has been the most dominant player in the East when he's healthy and he is healthy now. So he's had one of the best seasons of his career and he's contributed largely to a second-ranked defense, 13th-ranked offense, so not as good offense, but their defense has been so solid. You know, Danny Green, Tobias Harris, Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons, they are top five defenders at all of their positions, and it's it's cliche, and I've said it throughout this pod, throughout pick and pod this season, defense wins championships, and I think the 76ers are going to be able to come out to, the, to their um, conference finals. I do like your Knicks. I think there's a lot of exciting teams in here. The Nets have the most lethal offense in basketball when they're all healthy. So those are just some of my takes for this conference. What do you think? Who's who's a team you really like in this Eastern Conference playoff picture? I'm going to step out on a limb here, and I'm going to kind of go with a hot take. Philadelphia will go to the NBA Finals. I'm, I'm going to hot take. I, I did this last year, but I forgot that the bubble just cancels everything. But... <laughs> 
the Philadelphia 76ers have renovated their entire roster, essentially, not in the sense they've traded people, but they got rid of Al Horford, who was terrible for them. They signed Danny Green. They picked up Seth Curry and Matisse Teibel has stepped up for them as well as some other role players. Shake Milton, my favorite name in the NBA, because he's he's literally nick- nicknamed after a milkshake. <laughs> and I'm not even joking. They said that on the broadcast, like, oh, he's baby milkshake. I got okay. But I'm going to say Philadelphia goes to the finals. I know that the Nets have been lethal all year with Durant and Irving and Harden, but they none of they don't play together. They all miss time. And James Harden's a notorious playoff choker. So I need I don't trust him. He he contributed to 28 consecutive missed threes one year in a playoff game in game seven of the West Finals. And I'm not going to get started on that because I'll just, this could be like a two hour episode, but I like Philadelphia. I think Joel Embiid will become, go from the walking dead in 2019 to the walking king in 2021. He's just going to stomp on everybody because he's just that good. And for the Knicks, I mean, I'm happy that we're here, that they're here. And, you know, if they win this series versus Atlanta, fantastic, but it's a death sentence in the second round against Philly, most likely. So I can't really say much about them. But I want to shift to the West, Kelly, real quick, because there's one matchup in particular I'm very keen on, and that's the Clippers versus the Mavericks. Now, here's why. Not because Kristaps Porzingis and the draft pick with the Knicks, and the, that's not why. Kawhi Leonard, this series is dependent on if he stays in Los Angeles and if he's going to continue his career in La La Land or if he's going to go elsewhere to greener pastures because we have to remember that this is the last year of his contract. Now, he does have a player option, and he has full power to decline it or he can accept it if he's, gel- if he's greedy and wants to keep the money. But if the Clippers somehow and some way lose this series to reasons that would only be known to them, I'm going to keep my eye on this because Kawhi Leonard's going to, he's going to bail. Paul George might, well, he can't bail because he got signed to a ridiculous amount of money. He gets paid to hit a backboard every year, but Kawhi Leonard, this could be the make or break for him. And I'm going to especially keep my eyes on this one as well as Luka Doncic, perhaps getting some revenge on the Clippers from last year's playoffs. I was going to say, I like this game because for the revenge, are you kidding? Nine months ago, the Mavs lost their first playoff series since 2016 in six games to the Clippers. Playoff B didn't show up against the Mavs last time. Like you mentioned, he hit the backboard, shot 27% from three. Oh, man. And it was, and they blamed it on the coach, which they can't do this year. Nope. So you gotta, you got to hope that Ty Lue comes in there and has done a good enough job to take away from whatever mistakes plagued them last year and, and kept them from moving on. So I, I, I see the Clippers advancing in that, but – Looking at the rest of the Western Conference, it's kind of funny when you look at the top three. The Utah Jazz, the Phoenix Suns, Suns, and the Denver Nuggets, three teams that have been pretty irrelevant for the past decade or so. So I think it's, it, it's good to see it's good to see things shaken up. I, I do think a lot of that has to do with COVID and how weird of a year it's been and how uh, COVID protocols and injuries have plagued some of the best players and the best teams that we're used to seeing in those top three positions. But I think it makes it exciting. You know, Suns, uh, Phoenix Suns coach Monty Williams just was voted by the Na- National Basketball Coaches Association as coach of the year. It was announced Tuesday. 
when Andrew and I talked about it last episode, I, I, I was nice to you, Tom, Thomas. I, I said, Tom Thibodeau should have been it, but <laughs> I do think, I do think Monty Williams is a close second and he is still more than deserving of that award. I mean, he inherited a team that went 19 and 63, two years ago, Ooh. and now they have the second best record in, in the league. So I, I think he's, he's more than deserving of that award. And I'm excited for the Suns team. Uh, I, I really think that it'll be tough if they have to play the Lakers coming out of that playing tournament, but I do like the Suns team. The Jazz have been quiet. They've been, they've had the best record all year and nobody really talks about them. So that'll certainly be interesting. But for me, I agree. I think that Clippers Mavs game is going to be the most exciting one for sure. in that Western conference. I just want to add one tidbit before we start to wrap up. I feel proud by association to share a name with Thomas Thibodeau of the head coach of the Knicks. I feel proud for once. I'm just so happy, but also for coach of the year, it should go to Chris Paul. Cause without Chris Paul, Monty <laughs> Williams would not have, um, no, I'm serious without him. He That's does not fair. get this award. He doesn't get it. That's the probably fair, but too big. It's too big. I mean, that that's part of coaching, right? Bringing him in and uh, simulating him with the rest of the guys. But yep. anyways, Thomas, we're just about out of time, but this has been a great episode. A lot of basketball coming our way. I'm Kelly Bright with Thomas Aiello. Can't wait to hear, can't wait to watch the games and please tune in next week for another edition of Pick and Pod. Pick and Pod is a production of WFUV Sports. <laughs>